0: And welcome to diminishing returns i'm one of your co-hosts calvin and with me as always on this podcast are alan hello and sol hello and in it's the, the end of an era oh
1: sorry <laughs> it, the,
0: the end of an era i was about to say it's it's the ongoing saga of uh how we try to tie a podcast about a bond film into the release of the new bond film and then they just keep <laughs> pushing it back uh, uh yeah uh, at least we're recording this one after it was postponed. Uh, yes. 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 So that's know. This is a
1: sort of consolation prize for everyone involved.
2: We'll probably work our way through the entire Craig life uh, saga before we get to the actual last film. Mm. <sighs>
0: there you go. Well, That's what I'm hoping for, because then Sol can watch it and know what's going on.
1: Yeah. <laughs> 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 what, what was the what was
0: the end of the era that you were referring to, Sol? The end of the Pierce Brosnan era, presumably? Yeah.
1: Well, the end of the classic Bond era, isn't it? My, my understanding mm. is that they reboot quite firmly the franchise continuity after this film, but going into Casino Royale. So, you know, it's kind of a, a line in the sand, isn't it? But arguably everything from Doctor No through to Die Another Day is set in the same continuity.
0: Yep. Yep, correct.
1: You finally admitted it. There's no code name. Well, no, no. it's all set in the same universe. I'm not saying it's the same. It's uh, sort all of different oh, times. times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How could he be yes. the
2: same age in the 60s as he was in 2003? <laughs> <laughs> it made all sense. <laughs> I noticed that this was the 40th anniversary and it's mm. the 20th film, right? Yep, yep. So they're averaging uh, a film every two years. So presumably that means Daniel Craig has made nine films now?
0: mm. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, But this was a big deal in 2002, particularly for me. This was the first one that, as a Bond fan, was the new one for me, like building up to and uh, magazines coming out and all these kinds of things. So it was one that I was very excited to see. Do you guys have any memories of this one?
1: Well, I, I was going to say, is your is your perception that this was a big deal back in 2002, just in mainstream terms? Uh, yeah. yeah. Did Do you <laughs> not <laughs> share that opinion? Well, I, d- I don't know. I was, you know, I was alive in 2002. I went to see this in the cinema. I don't really remember it being that big a deal, but I, I guess it, it just wasn't something that interested me. I, I remember the, the song. Mm. I remember it. I would have been 18,
2: if, as far as I recall. I went to see it with my brother, possibly the only film we've ever seen together in a cinema, (laughs) because it's not something we (laughs) did as a thing. But he must have been, uh, it must have been just after he'd moved back up to the north. Anyway, the point is we went, and I haven't seen it since, but for the last 18 Mm. years, whenever anyone's asked me what's the worst film ever made, I've put (laughs) Die Another Day... On that list, it's maybe not the number one, but it's definitely in The Reckoning.
1: Yeah, well, I I wanted to ask you about this, Calvin, because my understanding, my concept of Die Another Day in my head has always been that it is universally regarded as an abysmal piece of shit and the worst James Bond movie, Mm -hmm. but I didn't really get that vibe Rewatching it last night for the first time since it came out in the cinema, and I, I went and looked at the IMDb score and the Rotten Tomatoes score and so on, and it, it didn't seem quite that clear cut to me as a as the Bond expert. Can you kind of tell us where it stands? How how is it revered oh, or we- regarded?
0: It's still regarded as being one of the worst, definitely. I think that <laughs> at the time, um, I remember it, it got fairly decent reviews at the time. Like, no one was dogging on it in 2002. I think that since the Craig era came along, that kind of made people look back. Like, what we'll get next time we look at a Bond film is going to be a very stark difference to what we have <laughs> here. And I
1: think that... I, I do have to... I do have to take some degree of issue with you there, Kevin, because as I say, I looked it up on Rotten Tomatoes last night after I watched it, and people definitely were dogging on it back in 2002, (laughs) but Mm. um, they were dogging on The World Is Not Enough and what's the other one that came after? Oh, Tomorrow Never Dies. Tomorrow Never Dies, yeah. They were dogging on both of those, roughly the same amount. They've all got about 40% on Rotten Tomatoes, 40 to 50%. Mm. But this one has...
0: Tsunami windsurfing, invisible cars, all that kind of stuff. Like, Pierce Brosnan himself... A Madonna
1: cameo. Well,
0: yeah, Pierce Brosnan himself can't remember Tomorrow Never Dies and The World Is Not Enough, which Mm. one was which. But this one has enough kind of... For the kinds of people who maybe see them once at the cinema and then maybe catch half of them on TV, this one has all of the stuff that people can point to and roll their eyes and like, oh, God, wasn't that silly? Whereas, I don't know if Tomorrow Never Dies and The World Is Not Enough have that.
2: Well, interestingly, obviously, I've watched this again and it would have been hard to meet those low expectations that I had. And bear in mind now, we have over the course of the last few years, I've revisited the Bond franchise, obviously, with you guys, and I've watched the previous 19 films. I think that's worn me down.
1: My bar has
2: lowered, my expectations have lowered, and that has affected the way that I watched this film.
1: I had the exact same experience. I hated this film. (laughs) Rewatching it. It's not nearly as bad as I thought, it's just that James Bond in general is shit. Yeah. Well, Calvin has no response to that, obviously, no, because
2: there's no There's, there's no it. point. There's no point at this stage.
0: Like, I've, I've given up all hope of uh, a full conversion. Maybe the Daniel Craig era will bring that. Uh, it's the last hope you've got, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Uh, well, okay, like, I'll put my cards on the table as well. This is not one of my favourite ones in the series. There are a couple of <laughs> Daniel Craig ones coming up that I take more issue with and dislike more as a result, uh, but on a more conceptual level. There's a lot of... Well, we'll we'll get into it, actually. Shall we start talking about the, the scenes? Well, um... what
2: I wanted to bring up straight away was uh, the fact that we have not only an extremely long pre credit sequence, mm. but it's one that establishes our actual plot our villains Mm. we continue it through the credit sequence and there's a direct continuity to what comes after Mm. which is as far as i'm concerned quite unusual usually that pre-credit sequence is a sort of separate thing just setting up a bit of action perhaps establishes Mm. something from the plot calvin how often do we see the main villain of the film set up in a pre-credit sequence that is a good
0: question not often I don't think Uh, the twist here is, of course, that we're we're not supposed to think that the main villain is being set up in the in the pre credit sequence. Um, Mm. It's certainly the first time that the sort of story, the narrative, has continued to be told through the title sequence while the song,
2: the Madonna song, in this case, plays. Well, we do we do establish, of course, the Soviet Union has been uh, collapsed for about ten years now, so we have to move on. North Mm -hmm. Korea now, the world's Mm. baddies. You can slag off North Korea without them getting offended because they yeah. won't watch it, so it's all
0: right. <laughs> which is, well, even then, even, it, it's still sort of like, it's like, you know, obviously it's people affiliated with the state, but it is kind of like a rogue operative within the state itself. Um, Gustav yeah. Graves, and ends up being Gustav Graves, um, which is similar to... You know, it's never the Russian government that are the bad guys, necessarily. It's always, yeah. like, a third entity that just so happens to be comprised of a load of uh, Russians.
2: Mm. Uh, you gotta play, You got to be a, play a little bit careful with the global politics.
0: <laughs> One day, North Korea might be a free country and they might want to show this film in their cinemas because <laughs> they'll be catching up on all the things that they missed.
1: Yeah, plus, can you imagine the shitstorm if North Korea hacked uh, Eon Productions' emails? <laughs> 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 all the discussion of why they can't have a plaque James Bond would be, that would be PR suicide to the point that the franchise would just have to <laughs> shut down for five years. <laughs> Some
2: of those emails. Barbara Broccoli slagging off Idris Elba. <laughs> 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 yeah, so one of the one of the things we, we deal with here is obviously they go into the demilitarized zone, which is all loads of minefield, but they're on hovercrafts So those don't set off the landmines. Now, I am no expert in physics, but I am aware of Newton's third law. Now, (laughs) I'm not sure exactly how hovercrafts work, but in order to lift them up, you have to push down with an equal amount of force to lift them up. Yes,
1: what I will say in their defense there is that that force would typically be focused in on four wheels, and here it's spread out. Across the entirety of the hovercraft So mm. maybe it's not quite mm. as severe but, but a landmine would go off with a person's body weight on it That's that, That's a very good point um, I I think this this whole scene felt very like Is this the best you could do? Because no. the whole point of a hovercraft is That it's an aquatic vehicle it And it can travel on land or on water Whereas here Or through Venice We just Venice. sort of see it Yeah, or, or through Venice <laughs> Here we just see it drive over some mud, which is kind of a, their their compromise, I suppose. Yeah, it could have mm. been a jeep, like it could have been a Land Rover or whatever. Yeah, and it, it just it was just a long a long stretch of muddy road and. And even then, like, a guy shoots a flamethrower quotes at James Bond, but what it actually means is he shoots it off to the left several meters in front of him (laughs) so that there's some flames on the floor around the sides of the path he's going to drive through. It's just, I, I thought this opening action scene was abysmal until the point that uh, James Bond jumped over onto a hovercraft and then it became a sort of fist fight on the hovercraft. And then it actually picked up for me. I actually quite started to enjoy it. I, I don't know what it was, but at that point it became kind of a good campy fist fight.
0: <laughs> that is literally the last 30 seconds
2: of the, <laughs> of the sequence. That's literally as yep. they're approaching I like, the bell. I liked it when he hit the bell. <laughs> yeah, that was the bell end of the scene. Uh, that was the best mm. bit. But yeah, Saved they by
1: they ah the we... uh, dear. Um... <laughs> I I did I I must say, and this isn't. There's a lot of it in this opening sequence, but it's throughout the film. I was amazed to see a big Hollywood film from 2002 still making heavy use of speeding up footage <laughs> <laughs> to try it because it's not fast enough because things aren't moving quickly enough. Yeah. Mm. It looks terrible and. It is, it is very
2: practical so effects, a lot of that, because even some of the explosions and stuff, it was like, oh, that looks like a kind of one scale model being blown up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, else. yeah.
0: Like, when the hovercraft goes over the edge and lands, you know, at the bottom, it's all model stuff. And, I mean, I, I like physical effects, so I don't mind it, but yeah. it's obviously taking you out of the realism of it the moment. It does date and, it as well, though, doesn't Yeah. It? And next time in Casino Royale, we're going to see some model stuff done impeccably well. Like, I think, you know, it, it, when I found out it was model stuff, I was like, oh, wow, that's really impressive. Again, I think the the leap that they take the next time is uh, pretty great, all things considered. Can
2: I, can I, can I ask a question about um, Bond in general, Calvin? Because this comes up in this opening scene where he turns up, he's undercover, he's pretending to be someone else uh, that he's taken the place of. And... Mm you know, someone takes a picture of him, sends it to the files, and goes like, oh yeah, that's James Bond, he's an undercover agent. Like, mm. d- do they ever address the fact that James Bond is like the most famous secret agent in the world? Well... <laughs> and everyone just knows who he is, and it's ridiculous. Well, the person who sent the, uh,
0: the confidential uh, MI6 security... Turns out to be an insider, that... yeah. Yes, exactly. So, uh, yes, so that, that's that makes what that is. But,
2: yes. he is often, like, he doesn't even give a fake name most of the time. He says he's James Bond all the time. Why that don't isn't they... He not here? That's because they are expecting a very specific person. But you, okay. yeah, usually. Yeah. I don't know. It just seems like, why not just... I, I think it's something I've talked about before. I wish they embraced more of him kind of being undercover and playing a character and using a fake name and a bit of fake mm. personality and acting and stuff. Like when mm. Sean Connery is an ornithologist.
1: <laughs> yeah, or well, like Sherlock Holmes did in every... Classic Sherlock Holmes movie, yeah, you know, yeah, was, yeah. yeah, because that's when we end up with Japanese Bond. Damn it, that's, yeah, that's what a, happens. Oh, yeah, when, when point. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the world, the world is much richer. The world is it. not enough for Japanese Bond.
2: <laughs> <laughs> mm. Yeah. So that first scene. So what we do set up is what we assume is going to be our villain. It it seems who is Zhao, who who's like mm. one of the bad guys. And he gets blown up with diamonds in his face.
1: And he never he never thinks to remove those diamonds. <laughs> even though doing so would be very very easy, really. Yeah. You know, it's, I not did like, question it's not that, like it's not like they yeah. you know, it's not like if he takes them out then he's gonna bleed to death or Yeah, they're visible. They must apart. be
2: quite surface. Yeah.
1: It it feels like there's a cutscene where he specifically says he like you know he wants to keep his scar. It feels like there's a cutscene where he talks about that Japanese art of repairing vases with gold to <laughs> make the cracks more beautiful than the vases were before, um, or something like that. <laughs> but yeah, I like that. It's just an odd detail in well the it's, film, it's, is it? it's it's them
0: trying to do a, a a villainous henchman with some kind of unique physical feature like jaws with his teeth it's them trying to do yeah, that but the thing is we yeah. don't see well, it's, jaws it's, it's get, them them, to... get them installed which obviously <laughs> if if he just exists with it it's like okay well whatever that's his thing but seeing the origins of that is quite odd
1: it's it's them trying to hack their way into giving a character some personality without actually having to write it because mm. he is otherwise the blandest, most uninteresting character. Well, mm, like, of course, even he, by the James he, Bond standard, ultimately he proves
2: to be uh, a goon. You know, he's a henchman. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah exactly. Uh, yeah, we, it feels like he's going to be the villain at this point.
1: Well, th- this whole opening sequence is just fucking bullshit, pointless waste of time, anyway, isn't it? Because yeah. James Bond, he has a big action fight. He wins. He, you know, beats the bad guys. Yeah, he's done it. And then he's just immediately captured and thrown in a torture pit. Well, that's why it's the pre-credit sequence.
0: That's a new thing. And I think, obviously, they don't do anything with it because this is Dying of the Day. But I think there is something to be had with that in concept, like an agent like James Bond being captured yeah, and put yeah, away yeah. for months. But this film doesn't. But, like you say, it doesn't.
1: It doesn't go anywhere. I, I, mm. When it started, I thought, oh, this is interesting. We're going to have this beardy, castaway James Bond, are <laughs> we? Okay, he's going to be dealing with some and PTSD. That, yeah, that kind of thousand-yard
2: stare, a really personal yeah, vendetta. Uh, but no, it doesn't... We. But mm. uh, first, So let's jump into the credit sequence, because uh, that's the mm. next bit we get. He's captured, basically, at the end of this pre-credit sequence.
1: Yeah, so he's getting tortured in a hole with a load of scorpions and... <laughs> That means that they can have loads of scorpions in the opening titles, even though I don't think they come up again in the film at all. <laughs> now the song—would um, I be? Yeah, would I be right, Calvin, in thinking this is generally regarded as, if not the worst James Bond theme of all time, the second worst one after the White Stripes? Uh-huh. Um, I don't think it's looked upon that
0: badly anymore. Uh, it okay, because I'll be
1: honest. It's not something I would ever choose to listen to on its own, but I think in the context of a James Bond opening titles, I thought it was great. Oh, I hmm. thought it was it was completely of its era, but it it was evoking enough about Bond, but unique and catchy um I loved the visual thing we we mocked the previous film for having a kind of PlayStation Two graphics <laughs> level uh cgi and its opening titles I, I guess enough time has passed between that film and this one because the cgi is you know it's not great but it's respectable now mm. and you get these ice and lava uh body figures and things and and i just thought visually not only is it furthering the story as we say we kind of see bond getting tortured and it's playing into that but just visually it's unique these ice and lava people uh something we haven't really seen before but it's very much of bond with silhouette and so on and the music i i loved it i thought it was great it might be hmm. my favorite james bond opening titles to date ah mm. oh wow
2: i th- i mean i yeah i'm okay with that i thought the song was a bit crap but yeah it's just of its time and nothing. Um, i like the song jerky for my taste i'm gonna
0: wake up yes and no
3: i'm gonna kiss some part of i'm gonna keep this secret i'm gonna close my body now.
1: i like i say i like that jerky or uh, uh, uh. yeah
0: it is like it is like a madonna song that it's not like i'm I'm sure that it went sort of like okay we will just use whatever you give us like we're not going to use no because she is like one of the biggest uh, particularly at the time as well like one of the biggest names like i think probably up with adele uh sam smith uh tina turner i guess uh she's definitely one of the bigger (laughs) names Uh, it's like them you know getting elton john to do one or something
1: Mm-hmm. Look, I mean, I, I know I'm a bit out of touch with modern music, but is Sam Smith up there with Madonna back eh, in maybe the 90s? Not. Is that accurate?
0: <laughs> I Maybe not.
1: Adele certainly is. Is she? I mean, I'd, I even Adele, I'd put, I'd put, like, I'd say Madonna in the 90s and the 80s were, was, like, Lady Gaga level now, and I wouldn't put Adele quite up there. But anyway, um, I, I've spoken before about the Billie Eilish song for No Time to Die. And my major complaint with that song is that it it isn't really much of a Billie Eilish song. It's it's just a kind of James Bond song that she's singing, and it just kind of begs the question of why get that person in in the first place? If like the whole point of this is a collaboration between a franchise and is it, is it a, the whole point artist, of this is it? to
2: produce a song that people might buy and will help to sell yeah. the film? I don't care about what it artistic integrity of it or anything like that
0: i think it depends on whether or not the film's composer is involved with it or not like Mm. sometimes you do have like this is just this is a madonna song slapped to the front and end and that's it there's no kind of working
1: into the theme yes well it, it, it sounded like it had david arnold's fingerprints on it to me and not to my knowledge and it did come up the the tune of it did get worked into the score a couple of times i think did it (laughs) <laughs> Certainly, at that party they attend. Later oh, on. Yeah, oh okay. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's like a cool. Yeah, no, that's true. Way to play Madonna. Mm.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, I did. I, I noticed one of the lyrics I wrote down here was Sigmund Freud. Analyze this. Analyze this. Analyze this. Analyze this.
1: <laughs> There's a style of lyric writing in the '90s, isn't there? I was mean it? that that sounds that sounds like something you'd get in a Robbie Williams song. <laughs>
0: I will say, best uh, music video from an artist who's uh, done a Bond song. Uh, the music video is really good.
1: Oh, is it the one with Ali G in it? No. <laughs> is Austin Powers in it? No. Uh... Now, of course, is it worth mentioning that before doing this James Bond film, Madonna did the theme tune for Austin Powers 2? Huh. You know, so that's where a pri- that's where our priorities lie. <laughs> Beautiful Stranger. Oh, Interesting.
0: Mm. Anyway,
2: uh, that's enough about M- Madonna. Yeah, so now Bond has been tortured s- for so long that he's grown a beard and a mullet. Mm. And he <laughs> is, his t-shirt's all torn up. It's terrible. It is, fortunately, that sort of torture that doesn't have any long-term effects. Uh, not even so much as a broken nose, a couple of missing teeth or anything like that. Although he, he has some scars on his back, I think. He's not lost it's weight. It's too hairy,
1: you can't, you can't tell. It's way too hairy. <laughs> he's lost weight, has he? No, <laughs> no he has hasn't. Because <laughs> the they've are. been doing that torture where they stuff cream crackers in your mouth and then don't give you any water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a mm. there's a
2: bit in this where, you know, the general comes and takes him off and uh, he, they, he thinks he's going to get killed. The general's talking mm. to him and and Bond goes, Spur me the unpleasantries. It's <laughs> a clever line, isn't it? <laughs> I mean
0: you know I like that bit where he's sort of the firing squad's there and he doesn't know that he's being traded on this bridge and he's walking and I do think that Brosnan's acting there is really good just sort of like when when oh, they pull him out the of end? the torture
2: cell in the first place and he's kind of got a bit of a shake on and you know he looks like you know, he's mm-hmm. like he's getting ready to be tortured again I thought I, I, oh yeah I thought you know what Brosnan doing a bit of acting there can't say no to that
1: I'd Mm. like to, in in just general terms, uh, say that I I quite enjoyed Brosnan in general throughout this film. I I think he is a very good Bond. Mm. Ooh. I think he might be my favourite Bond in in previous episodes. I feel like... Did I I say I wasn't really sure? They all had a bit of something? I I feel like, at this point, I'm starting to warm up to Brosnan being the best. Hmm. Whoa. That's good. Yeah, no, I I I don't think he's he's a problem
0: with uh this film certainly. Uh he's <laughs> he he does it very well, I think for the most part and uh, mm. yeah. Good solid bond.
2: Where are the diamonds, huh?
0: <laughs> so he's traded. We get some horribly expositional dialogue as he's being traded for Zhao, the guy with diamonds in his face and it's like li- literally it's the line is Zhao, I'm being traded. <laughs> uh, <okay. laughs> And then he over on his side uh, of the bridge is Michael Madsen, who is a mm. weird
1: choice. That was bizarre. Yeah. He's <laughs> kind of yeah. the American
2: M equivalent. And so he, com- he comes back later on, more, more uh, in a bigger role later on.
1: Well, that was the weird thing. I-, I kind of thought, like, oh, they've got Michael Madsen, but apparently they could only get him to do a performance over, like, you know, sending them a tape from the other things. so... <laughs> It was odd when he then turned up a bit later on for one scene. Well, for a while,
0: the they were going to spin off Halle Berry's character into her own franchise. They had a script written and everything, and he was <laughs> to return as the American that M. Basically. makes more oh. sense why you'd get... And then
1: they saw one. Catwoman. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they just saw anything Halle Berry's made. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I
0: think that really did
2: factor in. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, so anyway. yeah, uh, Halle Berry, uh, we'll come on to her in a bit, but yeah, she, she won the Oscar whilst... On production of this film. Yes. So, um, what a come down that must have been. A (laughs) flyback to the Bond set.
0: She didn't make a lot of good choices in the early 2000s. (laughs) This
1: this film, it feels like it's consciously playing as an attempt at a sort of greatest hits of James Bond moments. Mm. But it never quite feels like it's properly committed to that. But, of course, when Jinx is introduced, it is the... Ursula Andrus introduction, mm. sort of remade, with Halle Berry walking out of the water in slow motion. Mm. W- was that a conscious thing? Was that like a... Oh, completely. Oh, it's all in
0: here. I, m- I mean, there's a reference to every single previous Bond film, and we'll see in the queue scene as well later on, there's all these gadgets and things. Um, to your first point about hitting, you know, a bunch of classic Women. Bond beats with no real um, sort of... Uh, uh, what was the word you used? Yeah, like, it was like really we good. see the
1: guy jump out of a helicopter and then parachute down Union to the ground Jack. and he's got a mm. Union Jack parachute and mm. it's got, there's no real justification for any mm. of it. I mean, I guess As you much as in the original, is,
2: but... the, the first time they did it.
1: Mm. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. I think when you listen to director, this is Lee Tamahori directing this film, uh, who went on to direct Next with Nicolas Cage, uh, mm-hmm. you might have seen that film. He directed Triple H2. Yeah, what, what
1: what did it which film was it with Nicolas Cage that he directed next, Calvin?
0: Nick ne- Oh. Huh. Yes. Very good. <laughs> uh When you when you hear him talking in behind the scenes stuff about Dine of the Day, like. Well, you do- you, you,
1: you can't help but laugh because he's got he's got a funny New Zealand accent, hasn't he?
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> um he certainly seemed to just be sort of like going through the motions and all the interviews that you see him do, he's sort of like Oh yeah, well we've got to do, we've got to have the women in it, haven't we? We've got to have the cars, uh, you know. We've got to do all this stuff, and I think that a problem with this film is it's, that not, it's not funny s- enough.
1: <laughs> that the uh, got to have the women in it, in all the cars. <laughs>
0: uh, uh, and funnily enough, he was arrested for dressing as a woman and being in a in car. A car. Uh, mm. Can you get arrested for that? What? Sorry, is, is that, that legal? Well, tra- yeah, do you dressing know as dressing as a woman. Is that in, is is it, that what is it the shoes
1: women wear are so <laughs> impractical? The, the shoes that the um, the patriarchy forces upon women that are not fit for driving in. Is no, that he, the problem?
0: He was arrested for uh, solicita- solicitation uh, in L.A. I believe he was uh, an undercover police officer. Arrested him, and he was sort of dressed as a lady soliciting policemen for sex. Yes. If Hugh Grant can get away with it, <laughs> oh, as in he was doing the soliciting? Was Hugh Grant actually a prostitute? No,
2: no.
1: Oh,
0: no. okay.
2: He was soliciting a woman. A woman.
0: <laughs> well, Lee Tamahori was wanting to be solicited. Ah,
1: huh. but he was driving around himself. Is that how it? Is that the way they do it now? He's, he's like, got it all <laughs> mixed up. Here. They he come to you. <laughs>
0: Uh, anyway, uh, but yeah, I don't think that he... I think that a lot of this film is a result of the second unit going crazy and just taking some cars to Iceland and being like, I'm just going to film some stuff. And then it's all sort of being made sense of later.
1: So they actually shot in Iceland?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. On a glacier.
1: Because it... it it kind of looks like they just shot in a multi-story car park. <laughs> they put some fiberglass and water <laughs> pumps in it.
2: Well, some of the internal stuff in it, but all the car chasing on mm. the uh, ice is on proper ice. Yeah. Yeah. So, can we just jump back uh, a sec before we get to Halle Berry? Um, now, mm. uh, Bond comes back to Britain, but he's sort of they're keeping him in isolation because they're not sure what's going on, and he escapes by. Willing his heart to stop beating with the power <laughs> yeah. of his mind. Now, I'm no medical expert, but I don't think that's actually possible. It,
1: it felt like it was missing the scene where he met like an old, wise North Korean man who'd been in torture for <laughs> yeah, decades. Yeah, sharing a cell with like, this Trained him in the way of, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, so Calvin, would you like to mount a defence for that or not? Uh, no, I think it's indefensible. Uh, <laughs> good, 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 good. Also, uh, that the 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 woman who comes in, uh, who is presumably a doctor or a nurse of some kind, she just gives him the kiss of life,
1: like his heart stops. Yeah, that was like very weird. That. To, like,
2: just, like that's not going to help.
1: Well, she she obviously just wanted to snog him, yeah, Alan. I think so. he made that clear. Yeah, it's not very professional, but you know, he recovered very um, quickly though. That. She's got a license to kiss. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Jesus.
1: <laughs> um, I didn't really understand what was going on here. So, M's saved him, and yep. she comes into the room and's like, We've saved you, 007. Yes. And then 007's like, If you've saved me, then let me out of this glass box. <laughs> and like, bangs <laughs> on the glass. <laughs> and then she walks away. So, he has to. Break out and escape?
2: They're keeping him because (laughs) they've only... What? Because one of their agents was compromised, they were like, oh, shit, Bond's talking. We better get him out of there before he starts leaking all our information all over the place. So they get him out, but now they're like, we're not sure what's going on. Do we trust him? Let's keep him in the box.
3: Mm.
2: (laughs) Yeah, so he, he jumps out into the sea and then pops up in Hong Kong. Mm. Um, fortunately, right near uh, a f- five-star hotel that he stays at all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so he pops in there. He, he he doesn't even do his pajama top up. He's got no respect at all. Not wearing a tie. <laughs> um, but fortunately, the bellboy recognises him.
1: So. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And and then he he's upstairs having. Just tucking into like a nice um, party pack sent over by all the independent third-party companies that were financing this film. Yeah, what do we have? We have
0: Bollinger, uh, some shirts, there's a a Philips electric razor that I don't think would do the job on his beard and
2: hair that (laughs) they might want (laughs) us to believe it did.
1: And then a a masseuse is sent up to his room. And he, of Mm, course, immediately
2: assumes that she's a prostitute. (laughs)
1: Because <laughs> that's the thing and uh, and he throws something into the. See what they've very cleverly done <laughs> is they've set up a two-way mirror in the uh, in the cupboard <laughs> with a with about a crew of like three people like, filming him on an film old-timey hand crank <laughs> film camera. Because I and guess it's they're not, trying to get incriminating. Oh yeah, well, sex tape. First of all, footage yeah. of him is that the reference to? Um, from Russia with Love.
0: Yes. <laughs> yep. Well done.
1: Now, <laughs> so, not only are they assuming he's definitely, definitely not going to need a towel while he's here. <laughs> so don't worry, he's not going to open up the cupboard. Yeah, he, doesn't need, once he, but he just wants they an They also seemingly him. don't, they're also like, they're very firmly assured that he's not going to turn the light off in his room at any <laughs> point. Because of course that's how two-way mirrors work, isn't yeah. it? It's, it's how, the darker side. How
2: hard is it to build a set where there's a two-way mirror in it and there's like a secret room behind it? Why yeah. do you have to pick a location where it's a do- just take the door handle off and it would look like is a it, wall. like just yeah. unscrew the door handle? Get away! I don't with know it. Why, but why, they why they didn't do even. That. they didn't even clear out the cupboard behind them. There's pillows and that's what I mean. Behind. It's full of
1: towels. <laughs>
0: yeah no i think i think it was a, a last minute rewrite i don't think that that's a very good excuse because like literally someone just go and like yank the door handle off the thing and nick a paint over it and you, you just think it was some secret compartment it's yeah. the fact that there, the fact that just it is just a, a cupboard is really plus bizarre. how do they get out
1: just stick a fake lens on the wall and say it's a spy camera that's been you know yeah but yeah what's the plan anyway just to have footage of
2: him taking advantage of a masseuse who is not a prostitute and insists she doesn't want to have sex with him, but he's not taking it.
1: Celebrity sex tapes were all the rage in 2002. Alan, I think that's when the uh, the Pamela Anderson one mm. came out around just a bit before the the Paris Hilton one came out around this time. Mm. And you know, it was it was the early days of the internet, and of course, James Bond is a very well known celebrity, as established in this universe, <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> just trying to make a bit of money. Okay, so
2: the end result of this is the Chinese government pay for him to go to Cuba, Mm-hmm. and that is where we get Halle Berry. Yes, which uh, as we've talked about is a bit of a throwback to the old Ursula Andress. There, mm-hmm. I'd totally forgotten that she was in this, and it's about thirty five minutes in where she turns up. It's like quite quite a way in. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean that's not unusual. Uh, Bond women often turn up uh, uh, later on in the in the thing because the uh, the first one that he sleeps with normally die, whereas the second one yeah is introduced a bit later on. um, Really doesn't work on the same level as the Ursula Andress. I think it's so overdone with the. uh, I mean the part of the it's terrible. uh, The slow motion, the fact that she's like oh, I'm stroking my very short
1: hair and all this kind of stuff and the water looks grey and unappealing. Uh, yeah, it's just not shot as well and I don't wish to be mean to Halle Berry, but she's no Ursula Andress in in <laughs> that department. And Which department? You know, you, you can't swish <laughs> your long hair about if you have that haircut. Yeah. And there's no... I mean, not that James Bond's particularly renowned for his chemistry with his co-stars, yeah. but... It might be the least amount of chemistry I've seen between a a girl. The banter Bond girl.
2: between them is so terrible. It's creepy. And it's because mm. it's just crap scripts like, what is the names? Purvis and Wade sat in their little office going, oh, and then he says, um, maybe I can wrap you up uh, like a tortilla. And I'm like, no, that's not going to work. <laughs> um, <laughs> and they're just obviously like, Two little middle aged men flirting with each other and trying to make it work. (laughs) And it's no, so there's no chemistry. So if you haven't got actors who can like bring that to life, it's just a crap pun after crap pun.
3: Jinx, you say?
2: Born on Friday the 13th.
3: You believe in bad luck? Let's just say my relationships don't seem to last.
2: Hmm, I know the feeling. The predators usually appear at sunset.
3: And why is that? It's when their prey comes out to drink.
2: Too strong for you?
3: I can learn to like it, if I have the time.
2: How much time have you got?
3: Until dawn. What about you?
2: Oh, I'm just here for the birds. Hmm. Ornithologist.
3: Ah. Ornithologist, huh? Wow. Now there's a mouthful.
0: I really do hate the mouthful line where he's, like, introducing himself as an ornithologist uh, reference, obviously, to where Ian Fleming got the name James Bond from uh, the book, but then she says, ornithologist, her huh, and then looks down at his crotch and then says, wow, now there's a mouthful, and it's like, that's not even, that, that, that that's so many layers to make she that work. She could have work. at least gone with
2: hornithologist. Yeah. <laughs>
0: And, oh, 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 just just also, do you love it how Brosnan like really overpronounces m- uh, mojito in this? He, he says mojito,
2: mojito. <laughs> <laughs> now, one mm. thing that I noticed in this scene, which just put me off, obviously the the flirt the flirty sort of seductive scene isn't good anyway. Mm. But all, Bond is smoking a cigar, and all I could think was like, you can't, that's not sexy because it. All I can think of is how much it stinks. Like she's mm. standing there, like trying to be sexy, and there's just cigar smoke wafting yeah. around. She
1: stood there trying to explain to him that you meant to take the wrapping off. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> his, his
2: fingers are all kind of yellow, stained. Yeah. <laughs> smokes rollers. Right. Yeah.
0: He's probably yeah. like double her age as well.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's just nothing well, sexy. Well, that, about that cigar. really. I know James Bond's often double the age of the women that he's involved with, but it really just
2: didn't play for me here. Hollyberry's Berry's a lot older creepy. than you think, though, isn't she? Yeah.
1: I well, this is it. I, I, I know I've definitely seen bigger age gaps in these films, but it felt very creepy here. And I think it's because he was their interplay was so forced that it just felt like a dirty old man coming mm-hmm. onto a woman who's not really into it, except she felt the same way. So to be fair, this film I think does quite authentically play like a couple of people who like just want to fuck each other, mm. um, and then that brings you know there's there's a point where they kind of passionately kiss at the end, and I didn't buy that at all because it's like, well, hang on, we've not established them as lovers. Mm. Um, yeah, it just comes just out. Of now, wanna, yeah, they just want to. We bang, do,
0: but... we do have the most overt sex scene in any yeah. Bond film.
1: Uh, a... I wanted to ask about that. Hmm? Is is this the first time we've really seen Bond going at His it? Yeah. Cuz I I you know, I, I joked just a few films ago about when we see James Bond having sex with an infrared camera and he is just lying stationary on top of all. <laughs> <laughs> Um, there's no thrusting or anything. Whereas here, it's quite you know for well, the, a the, for PG thirteen or whatever this was. Mm. It... The point
0: Ooh, is that's... supposed to be
1: that he's be, he's
0: been incarcerated for so long, and this is like his first shag out of that like thirteen months, and it obviously is you know shagging women all the time. He didn't so... get that
1: at all. No, didn't I know it's <laughs> it's really not.
0: It's like oh, that's actually like an interesting you know thing. You could have had him yeah. like you know he finishes in like ten seconds because he's <laughs> he's <laughs> not a horny. Not... For just... Yeah, Oof.
1: um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, I, I just assumed he'd already had about three other masseuses sent up to his room in the hotel and taken care of that mm. immediately. Again, you have so much. Actually, that's I've never even thought of that. But yeah, the masseuse, like,
0: because he does just kind of you know grab her and start Pretty sort much of bends her know,
1: over and.
0: Yeah, if the, if they'd have actually played with that, like it's a shame that him being incarcerated isn't an element to be played through the rest of the film, and we see him a bit maybe off his game or something. Um, it's
2: just mm. back to business as usual. And that that business is the Cubans. So yeah, he goes mm. he goes and meets some old Cuban man who's a sleeper agent. They give mm. him some information to get to uh, Zhao.
1: Is this when James Bond does weekend at Bernie's? <laughs> yes. yes, that's how he gets into this place, yeah, I was cracking up. I couldn't believe what I was watching. <laughs> James Bond punches an old South African man in the face, knocks him out, throws him in a wheelchair, and then he's wheeling him around like, yeah yeah, you, oh, you want to go over there okay yeah. <laughs> and then and then, to cause a, a diversion in the in the building in the sort of hospital thing that he's in, you just throw. <laughs> Throws the wheelchair down the corridor.
0: <laughs> you know, this, he, he's set up as an unpleasant like... man. It's uh...
1: yeah, he's, he's South African.
0: <laughs> I'd love to know what DNA therapy that guy was going to have.
2: <laughs> yeah. So what? What Bond finds out is going on there is DNA replacement. Um, which now I'm no medical expert. <laughs> but that's bollocks. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, you can take someone's DNA out, replace it with someone else's DNA, and not only I, do you I then have new DNA, cancer. It actually changes your face shape as well. It changes your entire. It changes spectrum. your race, uh, and voice, uh, and general personality and character as well.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but not enough to be worthwhile. You know, if you introduce something like that into a film then everyone coming out should be a big mutant, you know? (laughs) We should get Jaws coming out with an actual shark fin on his back and and a whole lot of animal hybrid Mm. dinosaur villains or something, because, you know, it's silly. Mm. So embrace it. And you'd think (sighs) step one would be
0: take out the diamonds, because if you're changing your (laughs) DNA... To not be recognisable, the first the DNA actually...
2: will en- encompass those diamonds and turn them into uh, something else. And, <laughs> you know, they're replacing mm. the DNA of the diamonds. Mm. Um, oh, that another thing um, on the on the topic of uh, medical science. Now I do appreciate that an MRI scanner uses magnets somehow and there's magnetic force involved. <laughs> but I don't think if you just turn one on in a room something as heavy as a gun or a meat cleaver that appears to be there for some reason is just <laughs> magically attracted to the outside of the machine. I don't mm. think that's a thing. I'm they must going have to out move on a limb. <laughs>
0: They must have to move everything out of that room whenever they turn on that machine. It's very impractical to have that machine (laughs) in that room with all those
1: things, actually,
2: I would say. Yeah, you would have to have, like, a Magneto-style prison cell for all your um, MRI scans. Mm. Well, the
1: doctors would have to go out and stand behind a screen that protects them in case they have any fillings that are going to (laughs) be ripped out of their head, I suppose, Mm. but...
0: Meanwhile, Halle Berry's here too because she's also investigating Zhao and she's got her own little uh, mission. uh, Yeah, and that's when we
2: find out that she's a little uh, American spy. Mmm.
0: Yeah. Should we talk about the... Because Zhao escapes and uh, there's a bit of action here, a bit of light action. And then we get some of the worst CGI I think I've ever seen in a mainstream Hollywood film where she does like a backflip off the wall (laughs) and
1: (laughs) into the water and a dive. What I hated with that, right? Is these two guards with guns corner her against the wall, mm. and she takes off her dress, so she's just wearing like a swimming costume. Mm. And Bond's like, "Oh my god, what's she gonna do?" <laughs> and the guards are like, "She ain't gonna do nothing, mate. We've got her." <laughs> and it's played like you're not supposed to know, and none of the character the characters are shocked when she then jumps backwards well, into the water a, it's below. It's such a long drop, even though it's, it's inconceivable it's, that you would do it. But it's it's obviously what she's gearing up See, to I do think what about 30 is seconds. She
2: takes off her dress or whatever, and the guards are like, oh, tits? Like that. <laughs> That's their basic response. <laughs> and then she looks at Bond, and for some reason the guards never pay any attention to Bond. He's stood there with a the gun. He's obviously not one of them, but they're not concerned with him.
1: Uh, just well, with an, an enemy of their enemies, their friends, you know? Well, he's, <laughs> he's not presenting himself as an enemy of her. He was chasing after her with a gun. Yeah, he was trying to shag her. <laughs> yeah, they don't know that. They think he's they think he's Zhao having completed the <laughs> DNA assignment. Yeah, you're the like, that's the face you picked?
0: <laughs> uh, anyway, a clue from Zao. He uh, rips off a canister that surrounds Zao's neck, containing diamonds that links Zhao to Gustav Graves, who at this point we're not supposed to mm. think is actually a DNA-altered Colonel Moon
2: from the start. Mm. Which I didn't. I didn't pick up on that. I didn't guess that that was coming. Ah. Not at that point, anyway. I'm no diamond expert now, I'll, I'll tell you that much. But I think etching your little logo onto a diamond, <laughs> that basically ruins the fucking diamond, doesn't it? Because <laughs> it's all about the clarity and the facets and all that. You can't just stick a fucking logo on it.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. it is. It massively would take away from the, the, the purity, you'd think. It would probably... Yeah. I, I would think it would impact on the structural integrity of the diamond to some well, extent. At
2: the very least, the first thing you'd have to do would be to shave that off before you did anything with it. So mm-hmm. well, that wouldn't be a waste of time. Mm. So after that, we have the first fake... So we introduce Gustav Graves and Miranda Frost, who is his PA or something. Yep. And he's a, like richard branson style <laughs> like um uh media friendly mil- billionaire mm-hmm. uh who's up to some sort of shenanigans that nobody knows what he's up to yeah
1: it, it, it's like the the most egregious exposition dump i can remember seeing in mm-hmm. anything to be honest that that bit where he's introduced and all the reporters are just saying like oh by the way i hear you're a skilled Marksman with a sword Are we going to see you sword fighting next scene Yes yes probably yes (laughs) And would you say you're you're Good enough at sword fighting To be a threat for James Bond Or any other spies who may take you on Yes probably I'm probably quite formidable Yes (laughs) Uh, uh,
2: But that sets them up and then they go fencing And Madonna's there Mm -hmm. Yeah
1: Not wearing appropriate fencing attire Mm. She is despite a leading this corset on. Mm. yeah but everyone else is wearing the traditional white beekeeper type get up <laughs> yeah she's there in a tim burton costume it is
2: <laughs> weird it's better than what they wore in hamlet though mm.
0: And then we have uh, Bond and, uh, you know, that trope where Bond and the villain meet and they're initially polite with one another. uh, Mm. And then, but it doesn't last very long because they get into a little fencing fight. Um, Can we, can I just ask you, what did you think of Toby Stevens as Gustav Graves? I'm not a fan of this uh, performance at all. I think he's a little bit too hammy and lip curly Mm. and I I don't know, it's just really
1: hammy. There's something about it that I couldn't put my finger on that I didn't like. Mm. I, I, My instinct was I don't like it, but then whenever I started to think about it and examine it, I would think, well, he's much better than every other James Bond villain I can think no, of. he
0: isn't. He's not better than Goldfinger or... Yeah, is yes, Sean Bean. Nordinger. He's
1: he's not as good as Christopher Walken, but I mean, he, I don't know. He's got a lot more personality and energy about what he's doing. But but the whole time, I think you're just wishing they'd cast someone, you know, like Richard E. Grant, someone good mm. to Ooh, do the good. same thing.
3: Mm-mm.
1: Yeah, yeah it's just
2: perhaps a bit bland.
1: But I think I think by the standards of James Bond films, I think he's he's actually not bad. Yeah, I,
2: yeah, I don't know. Here's what I've learned about him. By looking at his IMDb.
1: Mm-hmm. He appears to be the voice of James Bond now.
0: Yes, in some of the audiobooks. Yes. Yeah. Really? yeah.
2: Uh, so this fight sequence. Uh, yeah. mm. it's, it's not So they, they start off by fencing. Mm. Like doing proper fencing. <laughs> and then the, he's like, oh, let's up the stakes. and, and Well, yeah, Bond hustles place. him.
1: Let's do, yeah. Bond lets him get two hits in And then massively ups the stakes he's, <laughs> let, Let's
2: use real swords if you want to do it right And then he takes some swords off the wall That aren't fencing swords, they're just swords yeah. And then they don't fence, they just slash at each other
1: But before mm. that, Bond sort of says Instead of money How about we play for this diamond By the way, I know you're a villain and every- <laughs> I know I'm a spy, I'm James Bond And then this is the diamond And he just like tells him everything yeah. it's not Good spy work, you wouldn't have thought. Mm. (laughs) It's at very least quite a gamble.
2: (laughs) But he does that all the time. He always, like, he's uh, pretending uh, to be polite and then really (laughs) passive aggressively goes, Oh, by the way. What about all those diamonds you've got in your mate's face?
0: <laughs> Thing is, it's normally like if if you know we're comparing this to Bond and Goldfinger uh, you know, on the golf course scene in Goldfinger. This is more way more aggressive than passive aggressive. This is them outright trying to kill each yeah. other in like the first meeting, which is unusual. Yeah.
1: Well, I liked that. I liked how it went from you know naught to eleven pretty immediately. I didn't like the arbitrary rules of whoever draws first blood from the torso wins. We didn't draw first uh, blood. Which only seemed to exist because James Bond immediately gets a nosebleed and would have lost otherwise. <laughs> hmm. uh, that oh, might yeah. be some
2: old dueling rule or something. I don't know. You don't go mm. for the face. I'll make my money. Mm. Yeah. But then um, they finish the fight. I-, I noticed Madonna didn't get involved. No. You know, she's the teacher there. She's the authority figure. She should be splitting them up.
1: Well, she said, they-, they say something like, don't you want to get involved? And she says... I don't like cockfights, mm. which I, th- I think that's one of the sharpest, you know, immediate that's, James Bond. That's when they're, prick they're actually just fancy. kind of moments. But
2: yeah. I, I think she'd be liable for insurance reasons because if it's her class,
1: yeah, but they leave the class; they take it all mm. all round the.
2: I don't know. I think she could have a civil suit, <laughs> maybe. But I think
1: <laughs> I think uh, I, I get the impression Graves would just. Pay up and cover anything like that. himself. Do they
2: traditionally pocket?
0: have fencing clubs at these like prestigious old gentlemen's uh, clubs? Because there's a lot of like old men around. Who are like, oh my goodness, as they go <laughs> <Lord> fencing <laughs> through. A woman. someone reading a newspaper, and then uh, they the sword like cuts the yeah, newspaper
2: they, in half. But, they, and they, but they, the the sword goes through the newspaper and right up to his nose, and he go, mm. and his mustache <laughs> bristles.
1: One of my favourite parts of the film, in fact, is in the sound mix in the background when they're doing the fight. You can hear someone go, Steady! (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
2: Now, as they're they're leaving and uh, cleaning up the mess...
1: Yeah, I think you're going to ask the same question I've written down here. A a very (laughs) (laughs) interesting-looking bellboy... Comes up to James Bond and says, oh, mate, don't worry about it. Place needed redecorating anyway. Hey, hey. And (laughs) I can only assume that's like a CBBC presenter (laughs) who was on set making news round and got given a cameo or something
2: and he now he looks really out of place because he i mean he's black for a start which in these old-fashioned clothes but, he, it but looks he's, it's but not more just that. than that he's, he's, he's got, got huge dreadlocks yeah, not yeah. tied he, up he doesn't look like a neat and tidy concierge exactly. posh place but also the delivery of the line is weird like oh he doesn't seem like an actor calvin do you know this story uh
0: i believe his name is oliver skeet and he that is, is a, correct yeah he is
2: a show jumper Right. Yeah, basically in the nineties he attained minor celebrity as a show jumper. Even though he wasn't that good as a show jumper, particularly, it because he looked so out of place as a show jumper, <laughs> because he was black for a start, but also all these big dreadlocks. So it's kind of appropriate that they put him in this part that he was totally like out of place. I kind of like that actually. But I, I still don't know why they put him in the part. Because he's not an actor; he's really just a bit odd. of a celebrity, and it's also like really at the tail end of his celebrity as well. Like mm. <laughs> he's like a truck driver now or something. Like that.
0: Around this time, it feels a bit like I mean, Goldie at least had a role um, in the last <laughs> yeah. one, but it does seem like a very strange sort of you had to be there at the time. Um it, it, Yeah, like
2: it, if it had been a scene with show jumpers, it would have kind of made sense, wouldn't it? Yeah.
1: <laughs> Or if this guy had just been a henchman, Mm. I wouldn't have really thought twice about it. It's the weird one line out of nowhere. He's not even in the scene earlier on (laughs) setting up his appearance in that scene. Um, I've just looked him up and... And his other notable credits are being one of the celebrities that was duped in an episode of Brass Eye <laughs> and two episodes of Dick and Dom in The Bungalow.
0: Yeah.
2: Oh, you were right
0: on the uh, children's TV front. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, he yeah. seems like a very friendly, like full of energy kind of character. I know why you thought children's TV. He just seemed too energetic for the part.
1: If anything, he's not in this film enough. <laughs>
2: But yeah, like, make use of it if you're going to bring someone in, like, for a weird cameo. Like, yeah, do something. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so he gets a key and then he goes and meets M. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm onto page two
1: super super of my notes now, by the oh, way. <laughs> that's,
0: uh, well, we are halfway through the film, and this is where we have the full uh, MI6 briefing thing, really. And yes. she's like, you know what? We actually want you back. It's all all right. Uh, now go and have your weird 3D hologram virtual video game training. Oh my sequence.
2: God, Money Pony's dead. She's you know what? Shot. I
0: I do actually really like the sequence, this whole like training thing. I know it's really stupid, um, but <laughs> I I still. And th- this was a direct uh, you know, result of the GoldenEye game in particular that had come out and was very well known and popular at the time. And Bond was becoming a video game character, and this was their sort of homage to Bond as a video game character. Where it's just like straight down the line, just you know, shooting action around M. I. Six. I like that he shoots uh, M in the shoulder, pretty much <laughs> flesh wound.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's silly. It's completely realistic, virtual reality, whatever. Anyway,
0: we have uh, John Cleese as Q now, firmly establishing him mm. in the role. Is this
1: the first, the first time he's gone solo as Q? Mm. Yes, and only. Yeah, they only yeah. introduced him the last, uh, the last film. I really liked him here. I think he, he steps into the role yeah, uh, perfectly. Mm. Yeah. I wasn't sure about him in the torch handing over previous film, but I, I really like him now. It's just him doing his job.
2: Yeah, they didn't go for any physical comedy. <laughs> for some
1: yeah. Reason. Now, none of the gadgets are particularly interesting or new or exciting apart from maybe the car i suppose but in spite of that it's one of my favorite cue scenes it's just delivered very well very swift the fact that it's in a in the london underground i really enjoyed
2: so this is your favorite cue scene because q's not in it like, basically because <laughs> an old man reading off cue cards well it's it? not
1: my favorite cue scene my favorite cue scenes uh probably in star trek the next generation <laughs> with John Delancey. <laughs>
0: I think you do have yeah. something with like, as much as I love Desmond Llewellyn and I prefer him as Q to, to John Cleese, Desmond Llewellyn was, you know, he wasn't a comedy actor. He was a bit player that kind of got lucky and kept being asked back, mm-hmm. whereas John Cleese is actually a comedy actor and he can hmm. actually do some of the comedy stuff and the lines and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Um I think he's really good and if they'd have continued with this kind of direction of the films, he would have he'd probably still be doing it now. They
2: should have got Rowan Atkinson. <laughs> mm. That would have yeah. been perfect.
0: Right. So, everyone loves to shit on the car. Uh, I don't mind it. I think it's uh, yeah. Yeah, I think it makes logical sense for like where the gadgets were going. We've had cars that can go underwater and all this and remote control and all this kind of stuff. So, I doesn't bother me as much as it bothers a lot of other people.
1: I was all geared up to hate the car and then it came out and I thought, "Oh, Nothing. What's wrong with that? What's the problem with this car? I'll, I'll mm. tell you what I don't like about the car is that the the use within the film is laughably incompetent from a writing point of view. At one point, mm. he's
2: driving three feet behind
1: some people and they <laughs> don't know he's there because <laughs> well, he's this, invisible. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. It might as well just be a Prius and they don't <laughs> hear it because it's so quiet and that's a superpower. But no, the, so he has this invisible car which allows him to drive secretly up to this place but normally bond just airdrops or whatever in and it's not even like he's in need of secrecy really at that point uh, anyway what i don't like is basically the second he starts using it the bad guy just shoots it and it breaks the invisibility power yeah and then the invisibility power fixes itself and he uses it again but it 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 doesn't do anything
2: yeah what what happens is Bond pulls spikes out the wheel so he can kind of basically drive up a wall and get out of the way. But Mm. presumably if Zau could see him doing that, he would have turned the steering wheel to get him. But instead he's thinking, well, he's invisible, but what the hell, I'll just drive straight forward into
1: this abyss. Mm. But he does ram the car, doesn't he? Doesn't he like knock no. the car up against the wall? No, he misses it because I mean, I'll be honest, I couldn't really tell what the fuck was happening because the car invisible.
2: was invisible. <laughs> <laughs> mm. It is a it, to say you've gone to the trouble of having an invisible car, which is a sort of stupid thing. They just don't, yeah, they don't use it. Like find a, a big, you know, your big finale moment to use it properly, and, and they don't.
1: Mm. But then it's not an invisible car. Isn't a massively visual thing for an action scene <laughs> is it is, that's the problem it's distinctly it's, not it's, visual <laughs> it's the opposite exactly
2: plus
0: you can still hear the engine running so it doesn't really work yeah, and you can like, see cool the snow bit.
1: flying out the back of the tires. Yeah. and the villain has a thermal camera so yeah yeah, yeah it's just pointless and
2: stupid and not scientific. yeah james bond though. should have had
1: an invisibility cloak <laughs> that would have been interesting. Could hey, have done something with that.
0: They gave him one in the video they, they had a video game that came out a few years after this film and it was it's basically like Brosnan's unofficial fifth film, and that you do have an invisibility suit in that game.
1: Well, the uh the the invisibility cloak in Super Smash Bros. is from the uh Goldeneye game, is it not?
0: Oh, you could be invisible, it was a cheat, yeah interesting um anyway we're, we're talking about this this whole chunk of action that happens at the uh, ice palace in iceland now if we're good to talk about mm. this bit and
2: Halle berry's there and i totally forgotten she was in the film because she hasn't yeah. been there for about 40 minutes <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> they do a whole goldfinger homage
2: uh, ice palace Halle berry um they have shit banter Hmm. And then he shags Miranda Frost. Is that what happens? <laughs> yeah, for not good...
0: Like, he's doing some investigating, and he's she comes back to his room, and they sleep together uh, for no real reason, but they do it very, like, sort of down-to-business kind of thing. Like, they're just, right. right, let's get on with this, which is quite odd <laughs> <But> considering <laughs> you don't need to don't sleep need with to. each other now that you've provided an alibi.
2: Throughout the whole thing, she's just like, oh, I don't like you, you're a twat, you're a bit of a chauvinist... 20 years older than me. (laughs) And then she's like, well, look, we're naked now. We're going to shag up. (laughs) Now, of course, it seems like it's a weird situation and terrible chemistry. But as it turns out, she's the bad guy. And Mm. that's why she was Mm. doing it. So actually... In retrospect, it makes sense that it was so weird and awkward. Mm. What doesn't make sense is why Bond doesn't pick up on that at all, <laughs> and he they'll... thinks it's all right because
1: that's normally what the <laughs> that's women just liked normal for he's... him. Yeah, it's, yeah. She's twenty one, I think, in this film. Yeah, this which was her first really? film. Oh, yeah, and I, just I would
2: made me feel even worse <laughs> about the situation.
1: I would never have guessed she's got a very odd look about her, where like I don't think she's aged particularly.
2: Yeah, she looks she in, definitely looks older than that. In the
1: twenty years since this film. I think she's just had her teeth done, that's pretty much it. Hmm.
2: She's she's got
0: a good look. Like I do like her in this film and she acts older than twenty one, I would say. Um and I think she, she always brings that maturity to whatever she's It definitely feels in. like mm.
2: the character is older than that, even if she isn't yeah. you don't get the impression that she's supposed to be that young.
0: Yeah. But this is all around where we get the villain's big old scheme. He's got a satellite, a diamond satellite that he can use to, to harness the sun's energy and make a big space laser. Uh laser.
1: Yeah, th- this got very silly, didn't it? The very power quickly. of the sun.
2: Mm. Well, it's Haven't, obviously... They've already done diamonds in space, right? Was yes. Was another reference? Blofeld
0: had a diamond satellite in Diamonds Are Forever, which also had a laser.
1: When When do we see the guy on the dream machine? Yeah, that's around here. <laughs> what's What's the point in that?
0: Life's precious. Why waste it on sleep?
1: That doesn't go anywhere.
2: It doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, but why doesn't he sleep? What's that about? Crazy villain thing. And why is he not dead if
1: he doesn't sleep? <laughs> it's a nice little detail, but you can't just drop that in and leave it. You have to, you have to do something with it. Mm. James Bond goes and, you know, does a heist in his dream, maybe, or... Um... <laughs> He make takes advantage of him being on the dream machine at a set time or something he just, he's just really
2: pissed off all the time because he's insomniac and just gets <laughs> crabby well, this is mm-hmm. we're roundabout
0: about, about uh, round about the point where we find out that he is actually Colonel Moon from the pre-credit sequence who's had the DNA <sighs> thinker Zhao comes in and everything. I think it would have been a nice moment to kind of have the performance maybe shift, or like so you understand there is a line in here that he based the persona of Gustav Graves on James Bond, which I think again, I think that's a good concept, but I would have preferred to see him slip out of that maybe. I I think a duality mm. of performance would have been really really cool here and they just don't yeah, do it.
1: Yeah, yeah. You, you know what else is really annoying with that dream machine, right? He spends, what, two hours on it a day? Something like that? Mm. just
2: sleeping in
1: it. I was going to say, is that not just sleep? Is he not just spending two hours a day sleeping? And granted, yeah. that's not a lot of time, but...
2: Margaret Thatcher.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, <laughs> just, just say I've made a machine that doubles the strength of sleep. You're rested <laughs> twice as much when you sleep. Because otherwise he's just sat there in a machine. I don't know, it's just weird. Anyway, sorry. There's um, <laughs> um,
0: a lot of stuff happening here, and I, I want to touch on some of it. This is like a whole half an hour sort of chunk. Um, probably my worst, one of my worst moments in the entire series is uh, windsurfing the tsunami.
3: Um,
0: how did that play to you two? I'm nervous you're just going to say, oh, well, it's just like what he does anyway. Typical James Bond. But uh, it, well, I mean, it's a I, real I, start.
2: I, I remember I remembered that as one of the worst moments in cinema history. (laughs) Now, when I came to it in this film, it actually was not as bad as I remembered it, but it is a a terrible bit of filmmaking, just purely on a kind of CGI, (laughs) logic, physics. But like in terms of something that Bond would do, it, it does kind of make sense i guess it
1: it it felt more like james bond branching out with some new tricks than i've ever seen before and and i didn't mind it to be honest it reminded me of um ace rimmer from red dwarf yes you know, it's, it's definitely Which not is a parody you can take of this rem-
2: sort of nonsense so
1: yeah it's not something you can take remotely seriously but then this is a bullshit film with a you know a dream machine and a guy with diamonds in his face the and, dream
2: machine is uh, the, one of the most sensible bits of the film <laughs> <laughs> if, like, I, if anything
1: i need the film to be entirely this sort of thing but i agree it's not realized particularly well but then I did find it far more interesting than most of the straight action scenes in the film. I found it more engaging. So I, I,
2: I think if if you put this scene in Johnny English, I'd probably just go, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, In yeah. in a Bond film, you're supposed to be taking it seriously.
1: But I find it more interesting than just watching a car drive around. You know. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm not going to outright dismiss it. I, I, yeah. Now, so Halle Berry gets basically shoved in a box.
2: For mm. ages in this bit of the film and mm. she is rescued by bond so she's just kind of a useless character a really crap character actually all like i don't think the performance is particularly hot but also it's just not much there she's not given mm. much agency yeah. to actually do anything
1: i'm i'm really quite surprised to hear there was talk of a spin-off because miranda frost is the one you yeah you know if you're gonna make a spin-off about someone in this see this film Mm. surely she's more interesting character than Halle Berry and
2: Mm. I I, I wanted to ask a question though of you Calvin so in this film Miranda Frost turns out she's working for the baddie and so when she shagged Bond it was all just part of the plan Mm. and it got me thinking what proportion of Bond's shagging Mm. is done where the woman is doing it purely out of a professional obligation oh hmm
0: uh, oh, that's a good question. It does come up because Grace a bit.
2: Jones definitely did it. Uh, yeah, Magda and Octopussy did it. You know, a lot of them are prostitutes, so I'm not counting that as proper seduction. No, it does come up every once in a while, but more often than not, if they're villains,
0: uh, if it's a villainous lady, then it's uh, yeah,
2: why didn't she shag him and then when he falls asleep straight afterwards, just like stab him in the throat?
1: <laughs> yeah. Just bite his cock off, and then <laughs> oh, it's just as
2: simple as that. <laughs> um, but yeah, then so wait until he's asleep, and then rather than just shoot him through the head, just drop a little tarantula on him, <laughs> um, and then and then just walk away, happy that the job is done. Mm, would be more efficient. Yeah.
1: Have we gone past the scene where it just goes full Star Wars for no reason?
0: Uh. Ooh,
1: Zao <laughs> walks in. In a cloak and remote like takes his hood back. Oh yeah, and then starts shooting electricity out of his fingers at
0: someone. <laughs> and... Oh no no no, that's on the uh, that's on the plane at the end. That's Graves himself. Yeah. Oh, is that? But Zhao does have his well, it's Matrix really is what they're going for, and they have kind of that un, you know that slow motion thing uh, in one shot. Zhao is he...
2: zapping Halle Berry with the electric gauntlet when she's tied up to the thing. And then oh yeah zaps, yeah he's he's on yeah, on that's what I'm
1: thinking. Yeah yeah. And then there's a laser disco fight where they have to (laughs) uh, save Halle Berry, which is just so profoundly stupid (laughs) on so many levels. These lasers seem to slice through people pretty quickly, but there's a bit where it just kind of singes someone's jumper a little bit. Hmm. And they kind of go, ooh. (laughs) Um,
2: Okay, then there's this is the point where I was kind of starting to lose... A sense of existence and <laughs> I stop making notes <laughs> and something happens on a plane
1: I'm similar to you Alan because this of course leads into our big, well it feels like the big climax of the film the The laser beam starts getting shot everywhere on earth blowing stuff up uh, they use it to start melting the ice palace, we have a big car chase out in the ice Bond kills Zhao in a little confrontation and it really plays like, oh, there you go, you've saved the day, the end. And I, I made the note, you know, say what you will about this nonsense film, but it has zipped along for a James <laughs> Bond movie that I've not noticed the running time once. Like, I'm, I'm really quite pleased with this, and I, I was feeling very positive about the film at this point. Hmm. But then it just kept going, <laughs> and there is another half hour of the film at this point, and and it's not like, oh, we've got to get it up to ninety minutes. At this point, the film is one hour 45 in, so the like on the longer side really, yeah. for a film with this amount of substance. And it keeps going for another half hour, and we get all this bullshit with someone flying off into space, but not quite, and oh my god.
0: Well, they send a missile into space, no one flies up
3: there.
1: <laughs> Yeah, well, they're flying up into the sky to on the aeroplane. I uh, just, I, I was just, I, I started to get so angry. This, this is when I turned on the film. I was f- normally this happens halfway through in a yeah, James Bond film, so maybe of- that's <laughs> worth something. But it was more annoying here because they were, they were done. They were so comfortably done with a nice zippy Bond movie, and then why are they this? Why are they so long, Galvin? <laughs> Um, I, Why well, can't I mean, they this... make a film that's shorter than two hours? This, oh no, they have. This
0: is just one of the longer ones. Like this is two hours twelve minutes, and they are normally around the two hours. Two hours mark. thirteen.
1: Oh, okay. That extra minute was. Uh, I felt it. <laughs> <laughs> um
0: yeah uh but the, the the climax is it's all on this plane which is immediately less interesting than the ice palace yeah. i think and you've got gustav graves in yeah. his weird sith lightning suits, just shooting laser beams and
1: more more terrible slow motion as well in this oh, climax just yeah. loads of it yeah, really bad. Um, there, is, there is the amazing bit of writing. Well, is this amazing writing, or is this some of the worst writing I've ever heard? I can't help. Please help me decide. Okay. The bad guy says, uh, time to face destiny to James Bond. And then James Bond goes, time to face gravity. <laughs> that's great. I, I think and, that's opens, and opens his parachute. I think I really like that line, but I can't <laughs> tell if it's... <laughs> It's it's like that X Men line that about the frog getting hit by lightning. Where it's <laughs> like it, it's such a balancing act of performance <laughs> and stuff. You know, it could have been mm. done well there, but Do you it know was why it really terribly. doesn't. And work? I think though. this could have been done terribly. Do you know why that well, line really doesn't work? Because Cause it's because it's air resistance and not gravity. But yeah, he doesn't plummet to it ultimately... the ground.
2: He gets pulled <laughs> by <laughs> by yeah uh, yeah air resistance into a jet engine. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, fair. And then um, Halle Berry and. Rosamund Pike have their separate fight as well. They do a sword fighting
1: thing. You know what he should have done? He should have got. He should have said, "Time to face destiny." And then James Bond should have gone, "Time to destiny face," and then <laughs> smacked him in between the eyes with his fist. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, and we should point out the fact that Colonel Moon's father is here, and we do have this sort of strange emotional scene between the two of them. Uh, this is a character who I think the actor does a pretty good job. The general, uh, but mm. it's uh, I don't know what it's doing in this film. You don't you certainly don't yeah, need that's it.
2: Very odd. Perhaps that's part of the issue that we, from a from the villain's point of view we never get any sort of into the personal story of what he's doing or why he's doing it and then even the what he's trying to achieve you know the stakes are like he's destroying the demilitarized zone between north and south korea and you know obviously this giant sun laser could you could do you could wipe anybody out with it i guess is the threat but it's just like there's no stakes or there's no kind of obvious end goal Mm. That, that, you know, you've got to get to this point and stop the thing with seven seconds left on the clock. You know, yeah. it's just sort of like nothing now, really
1: happening. bearing in mind there's a giant laser beam in this film, bearing in mind Pierce Brosnan says Saved by the Bell, bearing in mind that there is a man with diamonds in his face, all this just nonsense, laser disco, everything like that, Ice Palace... I would just like to point out that this film is what we would refer to as post 9/11.
3: Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: Na- that's just baffling, isn't it? I mean this this must have been one of the last pre 9/11 films that kind of slipped through the cracks before we decided we we don't want this sort of bullshit. Well, that, I think Bond is a big enough serious, right?
2: Yeah, Bond is a big enough entity that it just trundles along in in the same mm. vein. It takes a bit longer to turn around. It's kind of like Charlie Chaplin making The Great Dictator like ten years after sound yeah. films came out.
1: <laughs> well, on a similar note, this this film came out the same year as Austin Powers in Gold Member, mm. the best one. And <laughs> am I being sarcastic? I don't know. I don't. I can't.
2: Tell. <laughs> we will never
1: know. <laughs> um, but I mean. The not a world of difference between the films really is there, I I guess that's what I'm saying you'd expect one to be I I think genuinely, I think you could show people footage from both films and Mm. make a good quiz out of it where they they can't (laughs) guess which one belongs to which film Uh... anyway um, they they beat the bad guy on the plane, the plane's gonna crash Halle Berry says I guess we're going down together, James Bond says "Uh, hopefully not yet or whatever it is what is it, not yet?
2: Uh, says, get in this helicopter. Huh?
1: And <laughs> then but then <laughs> Sorry, is that Mel B? <laughs> no, she she says, um, looks like we're going down together. He says, Not yet. Now, I don't mind that. Nice bit of bond innuendo nonsense. But then when they get to the the <laughs> ground, he then says, uh, so so what were you saying about going down on each other? <laughs> <laughs> Suck each But other that's up. it, because <laughs> the problem
2: is it's no longer an innuendo. He's basically going, Do you wanna suck my cock while I eat? <laughs>
1: yeah, but that, that's what I mean it's, it's like no innuendo Doesn't that, that doesn't that just immediately remove the any any <laughs> semblance of suave that Bond has that you then have to like <laughs> chase her up again like a fucking dog hoping for a tree? It just <laughs> You know, I've never
0: realised that that's innuendo. It's. Uh, I've never. Oh my God. No, I never. Never occurred to me. I just thought, it, yeah, uh, I just took it all at face value.
2: And then they just spend the the end bit uh, filling her with diamonds so that when they hand them <laughs> over, she secretes them. <laughs> How, what I
1: was just saying <laughs> What I was just saying about how you could play clips From this film and people would legitimately Believe it was an Austin Powers movie I think this is the most Clear cut example of that The scene outside The the little hut they just stumble upon uh, With no one in it To go and shag in And you just hear them From outside going
3: Wait don't pull it out I'm not finished with it yet See Perfect fit. Uh huh. Leave it in. Well, it's gonna come out sooner or later. No, leave it in, please. A Few more minutes. Oh, put it back in. So hard. It would because be really not good.
2: It's because it's, it's not well. Like if it was Austin Powers, it would have been done well. Comedically, yeah. whereas this is like someone putting a diamond in her belly button. That's not first of all, it's not a thing you do, and you wouldn't yeah. rephrase it as putting it in. It's hard or anything like that. Yeah, she's like, like leave it in a little longer and all that.
1: It's, yeah, she should have said, "Is that a diamond in your pants, James?" Or are you just pleased to see me? And then they look, and the diamonds are on the side table. <laughs> Uh, That's how this film should have ended. Um I, I I've not mentioned that they escape the crashing airplane by uh throwing a helicopter out <laughs> the back <laughs> and turning it on mid flight. So uh yeah, it, it's very fortunate that they, they stay upright. Well um, that was what he was whole... fanning
2: about with the whole time, trying to get it upright mm-hmm. before he, he pulled the choke out or whatever you do to start a helicopter.
0: So we have a, a wrap-up scene with Moneypenny as well as she is using
2: the yeah, hologram machine. Finally, the
1: the end of the era. James Bond comes in, starts snogging her. He's
2: mm. like, all right, let's just do it. Throws her mm. over the desk. I quite yeah. like this.
1: I obviously, like, obviously knew where it was going, but that this was is a okay. controversial moment in in Bond lore, isn't it? It's quite uh, the fans aren't sure about this. Is that right, Calvin? Uh, like,
0: I don't know. I mean, I, I think everyone acknowledges that it's very silly.
1: I've heard, I, I, I've heard the idea that fans feel like it goes too far, and you should. Yeah. They're the Ross and Rachel, and when they get together, that's the. Which I suppose this is the finale, isn't it? It's well, the, I'll the, tell you what. Show,
2: I, on that level, it could have stopped with a kiss, and then John Cleese walks in, and she's just like, "Oh, sorry, <laughs> I was just busy." Mm. Um, but he, like, it, it ends with her like on the floor, mid orgasm, and he walks in, like, "What's going on?" <laughs> hmm. And she has to like. I think John it, Cleese try, gives.
1: <laughs> it's something that could so easily be overplayed, and he he just plays it perfectly here. That little bit, I I don't mind the scene. You know, what would have
2: been better though if Desmond point. Llewellyn had done it because they would have they wouldn't have told him what was happening, and he would have just yeah, and he'd just and be, and be holding scared. a he'd be holding a foot long subway sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> <I> see <do, laughs> money, Penny? Did you want my twelve inch shirt? And then they'd laugh. It'd be hilarious. <laughs>
1: Do you think if, if Desmond Llewellyn had stayed on board the franchise for another ten years, he'd become the official spokesman of Subway? <laughs> <laughs> the, the same way James Bond's always selling Rolexes and Heineken.
0: Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I think, um, yeah, a, a, you're absolutely right, So The criticism of this is that... Um, I mean, it's not consistent throughout the entire films, but obviously Bond and Moneypenny have never consummated their relationship on screen, and you do get the sense that it is a bit of flirty banter between two people, and not necessarily that she would necessarily go off and have sex with him. Fantasy Um, of it,
2: though, you know. Yeah, whereas this, it very much says, oh no, yeah, I want him. It would have been better if you sort of see that opening bit, where he like flips her over the desk, and then it just sort of fades out, and then you see her like staggering out of the uh, of the hollow
1: suite, and and she's like, "Ugh, that was disappointing." You see that opening bit, but then we see it from John Cleese's point of view. He just walks in, and and then we just see her with the goggles on, going blah, 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 like thin air. And John Cleese can sort of go, "Hmm," You know how to play it.
2: Uh oh dear! What what it would have been better if if Bond comes in is like money, penny, you know? Right, I'm ready. I want to shag you, and she's like, mm-hmm, no thanks. <laughs> like that was her her fantasy is like turning him down and like winning. That would have been brilliant. The, winning the flirtation that they've had for forty years, Isn't
1: that <laughs> basically all she does in the other movies, anyway. Nah,
2: she's gagging
1: for it. This was never conceived or produced as the end of the. Brosnan era was it? Is, nope. it is that some decision that came after the fact
0: yep they, they only ever take them one at a time um which will become a problem when they try to serialize them a bit more in the Craig era as we'll discover uh, but yeah no the plan was Brosnan had an option I think for a fifth film in the contract so they could have just called him back A couple of years after this, they did the uh, Everything or Nothing video game, or maybe the next year, so... And Brosnan was still Bond. Like, he was still Bond for a good couple of years after this film was released. Uh, And then eventually, they say it's because they were writing the Jinx script, and they were writing it as, like, an origin story, and they just so happened to get the rights to Casino Royale back around about this time in, well, in the sort of, like, late 90s, and then that kind of inspired them to do the origin story of James Bond. But it's, you know, I mean, obviously, we'll talk about it more next time, but they're very much influenced by Batman Begins and all that kind of stuff, and I think, Saul, you touched on it earlier about this being the last sort of, Pure silly escapist fun, sort of big action franchise film. Uh, you know, after 9-11 where things all sort of went a bit more serious, and they're obviously going to react to that with Casino Royale. Everything becomes and more a grounded.
2: It's a good time to, yeah, embrace the change, bring in a new actor, and try something new. I think it's a mm. good, good choice. Mm. Mm. Can I can I throw a quick quiz at you, Sol? For you, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe Calvin can help you if you can't do it. I think you'll be able mm. to do this. Name five Pierce Brosnan films post Die Another Day. Oh,
1: post Die Another Day? Yes. He did something about being on an island, and if it wasn't called The Island, I don't know what it was called. (laughs) Okay, I don't know what that is. But he was was a mad kind of Dr. Moreau-esque figure in it. There's
2: Uh, a film called Once Upon an Island? Is that what you're
1: thinking? No, that's not it, I don't think.
0: Oh, I know which one you mean. Yes, I've not seen it.
2: Mm. Uh...
1: Uh, Eurovision, of course. Yeah,
2: yeah, okay, that's one. Right, um, <laughs> I thought you'd do that than this. There's a couple of obvious ones.
1: Yep, Pierce in Boston. that Eurovision theme. Where? When was um? When was the art heist one? The Thomas Crown affair was that pre? Yeah, that was pre kind of mid Bond. I think. Mm. Yeah, I think that was
2: ninety
0: nine,
1: ninety
0: eight.
1: Can I have that Simpsons episode? Uh, where he's the house? That was <laughs> He was Before
2: Bond. Die another day. Could- Mm-hmm.
1: Damn it. Look, there's two uh, really
2: obvious ones. Uh, Eurovision yeah. sort of leaning into two that. Two that we've covered on this podcast. Really? Maybe yes. some singing involved.
1: Oh, Mamma Mia. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. Mamma Mia, here we go again. Yes. yes.
2: There's another one that you should definitely get. Another one we've covered on this podcast, in fact.
0: Mm. Yes. A sequel to a film that you really like?
2: <laughs> to two films that you really like? Not exactly a sequel. Well, no.
1: Mm. <laughs> <I'm obviously laughs> oh, the world's making... end. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. He's quite forgettable, isn't he?
0: <laughs> oh, you were complimenting him at the start of this. Your favourite That's
1: why it's surprising that I just can't. I, I can draw more Timothy Dalton than <laughs> post Die Another Day tonight. My... <laughs>
2: Go and Calvin uh, throw throw a few. As, yeah, I think do we've that got stuff, uh,
0: what have we got? After the sunset, November Man, it. Never heard of, the never heard of these. Never <laughs> the foreigner.
1: I have heard of
2: it. <laughs> uh, the Matador was the one that I remembered as being is like oh look at him, he can act. Kind of after Bond film. Maybe yeah, the Matador. Yeah. he's had a fairly
1: solid career. The Ghost. Oh, the Ghost of course. Oh, well, the Ghost of, of course. Worked with I Roman Polanski. One, you know, yeah. you got you got to work with him. But I'm, I'm looking him up on IMDb now, and I think that is literally the five films after Dying of the Day that I know. Oh no, he did that Remember Me 9-11 piece of shit that I haven't oh, actually yeah, seen, did. to be fair to it. Oh, he's in Percy Jackson, I haven't seen that, but he's some kind of Greek god or something. Isn't <clears> he? I'm just going to look up what that island movie is. Well look, I mean, of all the
0: post-Bond actors, I mean, well, I guess, you know, we, Connery had a fairly successful career afterwards, including winning an Oscar. Uh, <laughs> oh, that old thing. <laughs> but Roger Moore didn't do much after he'd sort of given up the Bond mantle. I don't so old, know if I've there, ever so... seen Timothy Dalton lead another film.
2: Nah, true. He didn't do anything before, though, either. So, Anyway, there we go. That's the, the end of the era. The Brosnon era, yes.
0: The first timeline, really. The first, uh, yeah, of mm. the whole thing. So... Should we rate it? Yes. have done that, yet? God, I, I hate coming to the ratings for Bond films because I they're just unquantifiable for me in that regard. I don't really put them yeah. into these. It, it's odd. Um, it's never been one of my favourites, and I do often come back to it sort of thinking like, oh, it's stupid and all this, but I'll still have a good enough time with it. But I do end up getting quite bored with it. Uh, I think it is a bit too mm. long, and I don't think... Uh, Toby Stevens is very good as the villain. I don't think Halle Berry is very good. Miranda Frost, Rosamund Pike, I like her. I like some of the action sequences. But but oh, it's it's lesser Bond, for sure, so I'm gonna give it a 5 out of 10.
2: Wow. Is that a lot, or low, just, or... That's, for you, that is just... That's like a 1 out of 10 for anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> and the Bond scale. The Bond scale only goes from 5 to 10. Well, it goes from 5 <laughs> to 8, I suppose. Um, I found this one interesting because on a structural level I was fine with it like the one thing led to another and it kind of all worked the Bond character works throughout yeah there's a whole kind of last scene at the end which just feels unnecessary but it's too long blah 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 but the real failings here were character and and script uh, just the way they interacted with each other and, and yeah just a lack of character all around and poor writing Mm. the villain, we we don't get enough kind of impetus from him who he is, why he's doing what he's doing, all that it's just lacking a lot mm. and obviously all the failings with um, just physical reality being thrown out of the window uh, I gave it a 4 out of 10, which considering I've touted this as one of the worst films ever made is pretty big step up, I think you'll agree
0: you prefer this mm. to Dawn of the Dead <laughs> <laughs>
1: It's fair. <laughs> on. That that film on an island is Urge, by the way. I've, I've just looked up. The urge. difficulty was I. I I've
2: got an urge <laughs> on an island.
1: Huh? <laughs> yeah. Apparently, I never rated it on IMDb, but it Damn. was terrible. Yeah, I, I had this down as a 3 out of 10, which represented a kind of 2.5 out of 10 <laughs> based on when I first saw it and I hated it. It's not that bad. As I say, James Bond is just crap. So I've actually bumped that up to a 4 out of oh. 10 myself. Hmm. It's far from my least favourite Bond film that we've covered, but it is hmm. towards the bottom.
0: What is your least favourite Bond film, just out of curiosity? Uh,
1: the first Timothy Dalton one, I think. Oh! then that's the one that really angered me for some... The same way... Alan inexplicably yeah. got pissed off at Dawn of the Dead. Something about that first one. It's because you really liked upsetting. it.
2: There was something there that was working, and then they. Threw no, 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 it away. no,
1: no, 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 no. That was the <laughs> second Dalton one oh, that no. I kind <laughs> of liked half of. Yeah, exactly. That's a weird thing.
2: My lowest is a three out of 10, which I gave to Honor Magic Secret Service, The Man with the Golden <gasps> Gun, and The World Is Not Enough. Oh. So it's not even what? my worst Brosnan one. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. I would never have guessed.
1: I have this down as my 17th. Uh, favourite James Bond film so far. So, what's that, third from the bottom? Uh, It's in between On Her Majesty's Secret Service, which is above it, and For Your Eyes Only, which is below it. And that means I also prefer it to Thunderball and The Living Daylights.
2: Hmm.
1: So there you go. Well, who'd have thunk it? I'm just doing a bit of quick maths
2: here. I'm gonna work out my average. Ooh, I'm gonna do that. (laughs) And what have your favourites been? (laughs) <laughs> it's oh wow! My average is exactly five out of ten.
1: Hmm. My favorite one so far is still Doctor No. So oh, it, you know, talk about living up to the name of our show. Goldfinger really
2: is <laughs> uh, Goldfinger's my favorite, which I know is not exactly a controversial statement. That's my second favorite. Yeah, hmm. I've got I've got hopes for a couple of those uh, uh, Daniel Craig ones, though.
1: Yeah, Daniel Craig's a weird one because it could so easily go either way for me. I could love it and think, yeah, I get this Bond. I'm enjoying this Bond. Or I could just think, oh, this is a load of shit like Bond always is. Or I could just think like, eh, whatever. Seven out of ten, which would probably still make it my favourite James Bond uh, film. Hmm.
0: I think it may well end up, like, I know obviously Alan's seen them before. I'm very curious to know what you're going to make of them, Saul. Because it is, it is a big, stark difference, I think, anyway. Uh, like, they bring back Judy Dench, and that's kind of about it, really. Uh, Is Colin Salmon in it? Nope.
2: Oh my god, how will we cope? He <laughs> had to make some
0: Paul W.S. Anderson
2: films. <laughs> he did, he went
0: on to be in Alien versus Predator not long after
2: this. So, um, yeah, that's the end of the Brosnan era. We are looking forward to Casino Royale, as the first one.
0: Yes, very much. I'm really looking forward to that. When do you think we'll be getting to that? Will that be tying into the release of No Time to Die? The next date, anyway. Next November. (laughs) Before its postponement again.
2: (laughs) I don't know. I think we should stop planning (laughs) what's (laughs) a dates. I don't think
0: we should plan these at all. I think we should all just arrange a time and come and then decide what film we're going to talk about at the very start. (laughs)
1: <laughs> did you did you give your average number there, Alan? I, I didn't My was average 10. was exactly 5 out of 10. Oh. Well, I'm more positive than you, then. I've just worked mine out. Mine's 5.3 out of 10. Oh. Ooh. So I like James Bond more than you, if you can believe it. I can believe that. That's <laughs> mental. Well, I was thinking with this one,
2: because Calvin's gone with a low score there as well, is this our lowest rated one as a team? Mm-hmm.
1: Do you want me to find out our current lowest rated one? I mean, yeah. if you've got it to
2: hand, I'm not going to...
1: It's on the website.
2: Well, the average there of ours would be, what, four and a third? Two fours and
1: a five? The, the lowest rated so far is Thunderball, which has oh. got a 40% score. Well, well this would be 43%, I guess, 44 by your Yeah, budget. based on me giving it... it's Based on all of us giving it four out of ten. Oh, really?
2: <laughs> oh, so Calvin... Calvin sunk it. Hmm.
1: So what, that means we prefer Die Another Day to Thunderball, right? It does, yes. Yeah, well, quite rightly, because Thunderball is dog shit. (laughs) 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 So, there we go.
2: Right, well, that's it. Thank you for listening, everyone. Thank you for joining us again, Calvin. No, it's my pleasure. Just on the off chance that there's anyone listening to this that isn't, already aware of your james bond work do you want to plug your youtube channel
0: oh go on then yes you can find my in-depth reviews of many aspects of the james bond franchise Uh, if you just search for calvin dyson on youtube that's calvin spelt like calvin klein and dyson spelt like the vacuum cleaner
2: (laughs) yes and you are the number one bond reviewer on youtube uh, I wouldn't put the number on it. Uh, so I, I am <laughs> you are a, a Bond reviewer on YouTube. <laughs> I am a Bond reviewer on YouTube, yes. <laughs> you are a significant member of the Bond community, though. In fact, your influencer status got uh, you and I uh, an all expenses paid VIP trip to the Casino Royale Secret Cinema Experience. Uh, it recently. did indeed, yes. And uh, as we're going up to Casino Royale next. If you're interested, listeners, we did a little Diminisode about it, and we, we talked about it, and we, we recorded ourselves at the event. You can get that by joining our Patreon, just $1 a month, and you get loads of extra content on there. Patreon.com forward slash Dim Returns. We do uh, extra episodes and reviews of new releases, obviously that's not happening much at the moment, and other little things, quizzes and stuff, all sorts of stuff, $1 a month. Absolutely brilliant value for money. <laughs>
1: We've just had two films getting reviewed before they even come out. Yeah. That's how Peninsula ahead of the curve we are.
2: The sequel to Train to Basan and yeah. what was the other one? Tremors Shrieker Ooh, Island. Tremors Shrieker Island. <laughs> Tremors 7. So the, the big hits everyone wants to hear about
1: <laughs> and by the time this episode actually comes out both films will be readily available to that the one. general public. But, but we've reviewed it, but
3: that... yeah, yeah, Yeah.
1: So Half if you what, feel what, what like is paying for the <laughs> if you feel like paying okay. to uh rent one the OD because it's right there for you now go go see if it's worth it by checking out our review one dollar could save you nine <laughs> a dollar in time saves <laughs> nine okay. with diminishing returns. <laughs>